ready? What's up, everybody? My name is Mr. Joe, and I'm your host for the Youth Force Chronicles podcast. This is our second episode, and we are ecstatic, excited, whatever e-words that's positively uh, influencing going on today. That's how we're feeling. Um, Before we go on with anything else, I have some guests here, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And so today we have... Hi, guys. I'm Brooklyn, and I'm here with the Youth Force program. Hello everyone. I'm Doc. I'm also here with the Youth Force the Youth Force <laughs> program. Youth Force at the at the at the Boys and Girls Club. I'm ready to have a good day. Oh my gosh. So yes, this is our second episode. Like I said, uh, you can find us on Spotify. Just type in Youth Force Chronicles. I was about to mess it up again. Youth Force Youth Force Chronicles on Spotify, and be on the lookout for us on Apple Music. So. Um, Today with this episode, we're going to be uh, talking with a special guest, asking some really fun questions and getting to know more about their job and career. Um, That's one of the main things that we do here at Youth Force, and we want to help everybody find the things that they're going to be passionate about for when they get older and out of high school. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so to introduce our special guest... um, This man here, he is a musician. He's been a part of the Air Force Band for 20 years. He's teaching guitar lessons over at Chattanooga. Uh, He's been a part of the School of Excellence, and he does some freelance jobs on the side. And so today, I'm going to let him introduce himself real quick. And so today we have... Stephen Brennan. Mr. Stephen Brennan. How are you doing today? Doing fine. Doing very well. Thank you. So we're very glad to have you here on this podcast. Uh, We're really pumped. Um... I'm going to let the kids take over and let them do their thing. So do you guys have any questions for him? I do. Would you like to go first, though? No, you can go. Okay. So just to start off, like, when did you get started and how did you get started? Like, how old were you and what really brought you to guitar? I think I was about nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yeah, it was about (laughs) nine o'clock. That's about when, yeah. This morning. I just started this morning about nine (laughs) o'clock. No, I was about nine years old and I just started messing around on the piano, just figuring things out by ear. And um, for a kid, uh, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have a lot of things. So, you know, I spent a lot of time messing around on the piano once I started doing that and figuring things out by ear and, and whatnot. And then later on, that led to me wanting to play other things like um, guitar. And I started on that when I was about 12 because we had some around the house, a couple of them. And so my dad showed me some chords. My grandpa showed me some chords and I just kind of picked it up from there. Then I was in band in eighth grade and played saxophone in band. So in that environment, I learned how to read music. So reading music was a, was a pretty big deal. I, I really enjoyed that and figuring out how to, you know, if I'm going to learn to do something that somebody else made, it's just a matter of time before I start trying to figure out how I can do that myself. I want to make it. So I started writing things on, on paper and um, having to use my ear for that. Let's see. By the time I got to high school, I was playing saxophone in the marching band, but then I decided to make a change my senior year and started playing percussion in the marching band. Now, so I played mallet percussion in the marching band, which is good because you don't really march when you play mallet percussion, you're in the pit on the sidelines. And you play there. So everybody else has to learn the drill and, and you just kind of stand there and noodle with the back of your mallets. 
while everybody else marches. And it was a lot of fun. And then when I went to college, I was a music major, was a percussion major for a little while, but then I switched to another college. I was going to school in Louisiana, and then I went to a school in Texas. And when I went there, I was a guitar major. I could major in music, my primary instrument being guitar, guitar performance, and also theory and composition. And then I, um, after a while, I took so many classes, so many classes while I was in college, because it didn't cost as much back then compared to the standard of living. So you could kind of work and go to school and juggle both those things and not go into debt, you know, back in those days, that was the eighties. But after a while, the, the cost started going up and up and up. And I couldn't really afford to keep doing that. And I really wasn't that close to graduating because I took so many electives, so many electives. I love to learn, but you know, it took up my time and kept me from graduating. So didn't get to finish my um, bachelor's degree before having to, you know, not drop out of school, but I couldn't afford to register anymore. So that kind of got put on hold for a few years. Meanwhile, I went into the Air Force, um, into the band career field, because I'd heard about that. I'd heard about Air Force Band, and and I'd even seen one that came to our school. And I, I went to see their concert, because you needed to go see a certain number of concerts if you're a music major. So I went to go see the concert, thinking it wasn't going to be very good, but was just blown away. I was just blown away. It was this group called the Airmen of Note. And little did I know, they're not just you know, the premier jazz band of the Air Force, they're like a premier jazz band in the world. All of these guys, they're ringers. They weren't guys who did something else for a living, but played music on the side. It was clear from the first note they played, every single one of those guys has been doing this for a long time. I was just blown away. And I thought if I could ever get in something like that, I might actually consider going in the military because otherwise it was didn't seem like a good fit for me. Fast forward, to this time when I can't afford to keep going to school and I decided to audition for the Air Force Band. Now they have premier bands, which is what uh, the Airman of Note was. And there's also premier band uh, at the Air Force Academy. And then there's regular career field bands and they're all good. Regular career field bands are very good. And I was in those for years and I did my four years in the Air Force and I liked it and it was great, but I was ready to do something else. At the end of four years, I got out and then went to Nashville. And I lived in Nashville for about six and a half years. While I was there, I met my wife, Rachel, and we got married. And also um, I finished up that bachelor's degree. Only this time it was at MTSU, which is in Murfreesboro, Middle Tennessee State. And I got the degree not in music, but instead I got it in recording engineering, production and technology. So that was their um, the program that they had there. And I just decided I wanted to get a degree in that. And then after I got that degree and Rachel and I were married, I said, hmm, not sure I want to do with this degree what I had planned on doing because everybody I knew that was doing it, there's definitely plenty of work there. And I could have gotten plenty of that work, but everybody that I knew that was doing it was working sun up to sun down every day in a studio and and just never home. And I thought that that's really not the life that I want to. Yeah for my, for my family. So I need something that's kind of nine to five ish, but, but, um, like but the song hey, working nine to five. Working nine to five. <laughs> yeah. Just like the song <laughs> that would have been fine. Uh, but this was more like five to nine is what most of the people were doing that I knew that were in that field. And I mean, AM to PM. So I was just like, no, that's, I think maybe I should consider going back into the Air Force. You know, I did that for, for four years and it had plenty of benefits and reliability 
and dependability and who knows, maybe I'll like it enough to stay in long enough to retire. Yeah. And long story short, I did went back, went back in. It, it's a long story, but I had to be tenacious. The first time I went in those years ago, um, I had to be tenacious because I had a back problem and they said, nope, can't come in. But I kept at it <laughs> until they gave me a waiver. The second time they said, oh, no, this time you can't even get a, wa a waiver. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's progressed um, to the point that yeah, you, you can't even get a waiver this time. So it's a no. But I kept persisting and eventually got another waiver and went in the second time. And the second time I went in, I stayed in for 16 years. Add that to the four years that I had done already. And 2015 is when I retired. I was in the um, I was in several career field bands and they were great and they traveled around the area. But um, I auditioned, even if you're in an Air Force band, career field band, if you want to be in a premier band, you wait until there's an opening and you you still have to audition, even if you're already in a band already. So because the standards are just a bit higher, which is pretty cool because the standards are already very high in the regular career field bands, but they're even higher in the premier bands. So Air Force Academy band had an opening and I auditioned for it and I won the audition and was there for about 13 and a half years. Okay. 2015 and have been here since then. And now I um I teach uh, music because while I was in, I took advantage of the in, the uh, benefits that the Air Force had that the military has, and I got my um I got my master's degree in music education. So with a master's degree, I knew that I could teach at the college level, and that's really what I wanted to do. And so I found some teaching gigs right away, teaching adjunct at three different schools in 2020. I reached a point where it was kind of burned out teaching so many places. So I just whittled it down. And there were some things that helped me whittle it down. There's <laughs> like I applied for a full-time gig at one of the schools and wasn't accepted for that. Um, I applied at some other things and didn't get that, but I, it, did, it definitely doesn't deter me from teaching. So I decided, okay, well, I can't do full-time there. So, and, and I've got all this stuff going on and it's very, very busy. And we had a professor that passed away and I took over some of his classes and was over kind of overworked for a little while and just whittled it down to just one college. And that's uh, UT Chattanooga. So yeah. I teach there and I focus on that as far as college teaching also do gigs on the side. You know, I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of solo gigs, but I also play with um, a bluegrass group, Appalachian string band. And I play with Tim Hughes quintet, which is a jazz group. And I play with those groups, um, as often as I can. Fortunately, I'm a garnish. It's kind of good to be a garnish. When you're the central figure in an organization, everything depends on you and you don't have as much flexibility. Yeah. Well, I don't need that that kind of um, prestige you know, to feel good about myself. I don't have to be the star that's got to be there for every show. Right. right. Yeah. Um, I, I can show up and play, you know, as long as they know I'm coming and, and they're always happy to have me. Um, but if I can't, they can still do the, the gig just fine without me. So that gives me some flexibility. And I like that. That's um, good. And I do solo work all the time to really enjoy that. No, that's awesome. Wow. So you have been through a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I could tell you stories about the Air Force band and the thing places we went and things we did. Just that alone um, has a lot of interest. You know, it's interesting career field for sure. I would like to add a follow up question, though. Um, so when you would think Air Force or Army band, I personally would think more of a marching band. 
t- mm-hmm. style. Yeah, same. So mm-hmm. how would a guitar fit into the type of music that they play? Well, first of all, they have a wide variety of different types of music that they play. Almost every unit that that's out there, whether it's a premier band or a regional band or career field slash regional band, they all have a large concert band out of which comes a big band, like a Glenn Miller style jazz band that does all kinds of jazz, you know, jazz, big band music. And they have different quintets and quartets and things like that. But in addition to the concert band and all the little groups that come out of that, there's also usually a separate group that is just that just focuses on commercial music, pop music, pop or and or country, and just but also they'll do jazz. So if you're in the Air Force band, especially if you're a guitar player, you'd be in one of those, you know, smaller groups outside the concert band, or you might be in the concert band, but you're part of the jazz band as well. And I kind of preferred to not be part of the concert band slash jazz band because I didn't really want to be part of the concert band. I wanted to focus on guitar. Yeah. which is yeah. what I did most of the time. Um, so yeah, they have rock bands, country bands, and all kinds of things like that. And I was in, I've been in several of them. So yeah, but th- the thing is, they don't do as much of the marching stuff as you would think in a lot of the bands. However, the um, Air Force Academy band does because they play for the cadets at the Air Force Academy all the time. Wait, so, the cadets? Mm-hmm. They, they play for the cadets so that, you know, the um, Air Force Academy band will get out and, and march them when we have when they have ceremonies and things like that. And so they're, they're constantly that's kind of their primary gig is supporting the Air Force Academy. So with that, they do have a marching band. In fact, everybody in that unit, no matter what instrument they play, is supposed to be part of the marching band. And if you don't play a marching band instrument, let's say you're an audio person. If you play another instrument well enough to play it in the marching band then play that instrument. If not, they'll put an instrument in your hand and you'll just walk with it to fill out the ranks sometimes. <laughs> um, but most people could play something. I played percussion, so I played snare drum and it's the kind of snare drum that has the ropes on it and it's about this big, you know, it's, as far as depth. I mean, it, it would, the 80s rock and roll sound would have loved one of these drums because like, it just has that deep dish sound and you play um, traditional grip, not the match grip where you're, you know, you're like, that's match grip. And you play it on the drum that's right in front of you. And the head is so tight that it sounds like a woodblock, but these drums were rope drums. And so they hung over your shoulder and you played them traditional style, which you have to, if you ever play one of those drums, you'll realize right away, Oh, this is why they use traditional. It's really impossible to play it. The, you know, match. Yeah. Grip. Yeah. Yeah traditional. And so I really enjoyed playing the snare drum in the marching band a lot. That was a lot of fun for me. It was a diversion from the guitar. Yeah. So that's how that works. In Washington, D.C., they have all the units are separate. You know, there's not like the jazz band doesn't come out of the concert band. The jazz band in Washington, D.C. And that band is a separate unit that does nothing but that. All the groups are separate units that do nothing but that. And they actually have a dedicated ceremonial band in D.C. So um, the Air Force Academy, though, everybody was the dedicated marching band. It was a lot of fun. But most of the time, you know, in the summer, spring, summer and early fall, that's when you have your most of your marching band gigs. And there's a lot of that that happens. But um, most of the time, you know, you're doing something else. So I did far more on guitar than I did on the snare drum. That's cool. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, I understand a little more now. Mm -hmm. You're just confusing like the stereotypical army music yeah i was about to say i didn't know they had the separate groups of like rock or country that's kind of cool 
Oh yeah. 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 You could, uh, you can go online. I think you can just do, um, if you go to Google and just type in air force bands, it'll, you know, the thing, the first thing that'll pop up will probably be the, the, the website. And in that web domain, they, they have links to all of the bands and you can hear what they sound like. And it's, okay. you'd be pretty surprised at all the things that they do. Okay. I do have a question real quick uh, because you mentioned this earlier and I really just need to know. So when you were young and there was no internet back then and being in a time as we are in now and we're just enthralled and everything we do is used by the internet. How weird is that to you? Like you, you've been on the other side of the spectrum where you had no internet and now you're here. Yeah. My wife and I sometimes look at each other and go, what did we do before there was an internet? <laughs> what did we do before cell phones? Cause everything was right there. We call each other. We check our calendars. We check our emails. We text, we do so many things with our devices that we're like, how, how would we have done this back in the days when we, didn't have cell phones. I don't even remember. We would just go somewhere and we'd come back when we came back. You know, I wouldn't be able to text and say, I'm running a little bit late. I don't know. There's just a different expectation, you know, but the thing is that it's, it has its good points and its bad points. I think that if I could go back in, in time, I wish that I could have had some of those resources and the people that are really utilizing the resources they're going online and they're performing and doing live streams and taking advantage of this worldwide audience and all of the instructional videos and the collaborative things you can do all the good stuff that is great about the internet you get people that are playing music way beyond what I saw people playing back. I yeah. mean, there are some people that have taken it to the next level, like you wouldn't believe. And it's because they really spent a lot of time honing their craft in front of their computer. And I don't really have anything ag against that. I just feel like where it's bad is when we just use it as yet another thing to help us passively pass the time by being passively entertained, not learning anything, not discovering anything, not reading or expanding our minds or utilizing it for the very useful tool that it is, but instead just kind of time killing with it. And because of that, it's actually, that is actually worse than when I was a kid. There's some things that are so much better than when I was a kid, but if you use it the wrong way, it's actually worse than when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's amazing. You get a, a full gamut of kids that are amazing, really smart kids. Like like those two right there, because they've learned so many things. And then you've got yeah, some we, kids that are yeah, just- they're very smart. Yeah, we're pretty I'm awesome. Proud of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've met a lot of kids that struggle with functioning at all because I feel like they've spent too much time, you know, immersed in really yeah, like nothing. they're dependent on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you two feel about them. that? Uh, yeah. Just being uh, with the internet being the main thing that's the- the main source of thing that we're using today. Mm -hmm. well, I, yeah. Sorry. I think first. he's right. Like there's a lot of dead scrolling is what like I call it where you just scroll yeah. and scroll and scroll. And then like you're, you just zone out and you're not learning mm -hmm. anything or doing anything like that. But in my family, we have like set times when we put our phones away and we put our tablets and our computers away just to like mm -hmm. reflect on everything and have family time. So I think that yeah. helps. Yeah. That's a, 
That's a great idea. And we have app limits too. How long you're on the app and all that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we have Circle in our house, which that's is what a, we have. Yeah, that really helps. Yeah, you have to pay attention to what it's telling you uh, because it, you can get a. Sometimes when things are automatic, you rely on them and say, "Well, that's what it says." But you kind of have to dig deep into it and say, "What does it really mean?" Because mm-hmm. it it records things when you're not even using it because these devices are constantly rescinding and receiving information when you're not even touching them. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to watch it, but it's, it's worth it. You know, I, I feel like there's also a lot of social anxiety that, that people have from spending too much time in that world on the devices. The devices themselves are not bad things, but even when you're doing something productive, you still have to get away from that screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's truly fair. To take us on to a different route, the questions you may receive, Stephen, may seem a little uh, funny and weird all at the same time, (laughs) but we just wanted to just pick your brain a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and start off with this question before we get further. Stephen, I need to know, if you had the opportunity to hang out with a celebrity for a day, who would it be and why? Wow. It It would be a musician, most likely. Um. Somebody that I could play guitar with, <laughs> sit around and play guitar with. Maybe Tommy Emmanuel, who's a great guitar player, um, or you know, one of those gypsy guitar players that I've been listening to a lot. Or maybe somebody like Jacob Collier, who's a young guy but just brilliant, yes, um, musician. <laughs> and there's several like that that are just unbelievable. I'd love, or even some of the classic stars like Paul McCartney. I'd love to spend some time hanging out with Paul McCartney or mm-hmm. Phil Kagi. Um, there's tons of them, but it would really be, yeah, I, I'd pick their brains some, but really I would just want to spend a lot of time making music with them. So in this magical fantasy universe, mm-hmm. are people are bleh, are people allowed to be brought back from the dead? Like, uh, can it oh, be a dead person? Dang. You know what? I'm allow mm-hmm. it. If there's somebody from the past, who would it be that you would want to play guitar with? Oh my goodness. There's so many. I would probably say, you know, let's go for the gold. And I, I don't know if he would enjoy hanging out with me. And I'm, you know, sometimes it's better not to meet your heroes, but I would love to meet Beethoven. Somebody would have to interpret. Oh, you just made Doc <laughs> so happy. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if Beethoven would have been my pick, but he would have been up there. Wait, Doc, do you have a Beethoven joke and under your belt? No. no. I can only think of I one for Bach. Don't. I can think of one for Bach, and that's about it. Um, um. Uh, it's like a, a mix of using a Terminator and using uh, his catchphrase, I'll be Bach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was so stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it was. I know it is. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard that joke for before. Bach is, uh, they all have like the same premise. They're all like, what does Bach say when he comes back from a vacation? What? Hey, everybody, I'm Bach. <laughs> and it's all the same thing. Like my piano, or not piano teacher, my music teacher in elementary school, she would, every time that um, we'd go back to school in August, she'd have a sign on her door that said, welcome back. I love and it. we were like, ah, ha, 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 ha. But she left it. it up all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She would take it down yeah. some random time in March or something. That's and fair. then put it back up again? In August, That yeah. doesn't even make any sense. I know. <laughs> You know how maybe it would be. sometimes you put something up and you just leave it there. But yeah, do you guys have a question for him? I know you got some. I know you got. I know you got I have some, some questions. I don't know if they fit the silly genre. 
Oh, we need but, them to be silly. Oh, we need them to be silly. I have one after you. Oh, silly? I don't know. I don't have. I one. know y'all silly. got some silly ones. No, I didn't write any down. Okay, I have a, I have a sort of good one. If money and time weren't an object, what else would you like to do other than guitar? Like, would you like to explore something else? Let's see. Yeah, I like to draw. I like visual arts. And I like to write, too, sometimes. I don't like to write when I have to, but I like to write just for the fun of it. You know. Um, yeah. And I think probably... I really like science. And so I'd like, you know, I'd like to study history and things like that and the science of history and the history of science and things like that. And um, anthropology and figuring out how something was built and, you know, dating things and figuring out how old they are. And archaeological ruins would be a, a lot of fun for me. I would enjoy that. Um, maybe cartography would be What's kind that? of fun. I used to, it's yeah, map making. I love that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that would be kind of fun. I used to fantasize about being an architect at one time in my life. So there's been a bunch of little things that I've enjoyed doing, but I don't really have one that's like at the top of the list of other things. There's just a bunch of things I've done uh, that yeah, I would like to I do. I get that. I think I would have to agree with you on the drawing. I've always wanted to be a good artist, but every time I pick up the pen, it's like, what am I going to do? Or pencil. I don't draw with pens, but like, I draw with same. pens. I I used to draw with Sharpies and I would, I don't know why, but I would follow YouTube tutorials and I would use Sharpies. I used to draw mm. with mud. <laughs> oh yeah. Didn't I we can't all? draw, but I can do calligraphy and hand lettering and stuff. Oh, that's, that's cool. I like that. Do you have um, a calligraphy pen? Yep. I have a whole set and then I have the calligraphy paper and everything else that comes with it. There's special. Kind of oh, just taught myself. Paper? Yeah. Well, if you don't use a special calligraphy that. paper, then you ruin the felt on the pens if you're using mm -hmm. felt calligraphy pens so but if you're using a fountain pen it doesn't really matter as long as it doesn't right. bleed through the paper hmm. yeah yeah i had some calligraphy pens at one time they had the metal tips yeah the, um, fountain the pens. ink kind of flows into them but um you could change them out for diff different sizes and things like that and you had to clean them regularly otherwise the ink would dry up and yeah and it wouldn't flow stuck. anymore it was kind of a pain but when you are using a fountain pen like that a um a calligraphy pen, mm -hmm. you can see where cursive came from because I mean, the, your cursive just looks amazing. It flows when so you suddenly, pretty too. Oh, it's like, I didn't know I could, uh, I'm great you know, <laughs> because it's ideal for cursive writing. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. Honestly, <laughs> I oh. actually didn't know there was a different type of pens and paper. Oh, yeah. I'll bring them next time and show you. Oh my gosh. I've always wanted to use a fountain pen. They look super cool. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. Is it like that feather pen type deal? No, no, that's no, what you did. It's like the, it's the stuff pen. that you would see, on it. It's like the things that the declaration was signed with. Declaration oh, of that independence. Oh, that pen that's in that little holder thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah now yeah. you don't have to dip it anymore. Uh, like you stick the ink in there, uh, and it's like in this tube, mm -hmm. and they're refillable. Except the only yeah. thing is, is that you go through them really fast. I notice because the ink goes comes out so easily and stuff. So. I was going to get one mm. once, but they're like 10 bucks at Staples. $10? <laughs> yeah, for one. Not for a pack, for one. Oh, gosh. That's well, a Halloween robbery. <laughs> it does have a wow. refill, too. But other than that, no, they're really expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, bring yours. I want to use it. I have a question, but it's not really silly or anything. Have you ever heard of uh, the Civil Air Patrol? 
Civil Air Patrol, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, me and my siblings are in that right now. And um, I was wondering if like the marching bands did anything for that. You know, um, sometimes I think we did do, I don't know about the marching band, but I remember doing some gigs where the Civil Air Patrol was there and they were like, if it was at an event, like an mm -hmm. air show or, or at, the, at the high school, if it played a mm -hmm. high school show, a lot of times the Civil Air Patrol kids would be there and um, would be helping out. And so they would, they would help us out and they would, they would kind of be brought in and, and said, now you help these guys out is just do whatever they tell you. And, so, and they would, and they were always great kids. That's cool. I have to talk to my squadron leader about that. Cause I think that would be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Hey, Steven, I do want to know, um, have you ever played with anybody famous in all of your years of uh, playing the guitar at all? I have shared the stage with many big name acts just not at the same time. I've played on the same stage that they've played on. Okay. Just on a different night. So there you go. <laughs> that's still pretty cool. I think that's close. <laughs> Closer than most people would get. Yeah. I, every once in a while, I, I got to play with some people who were, but they aren't people that everybody knows, but they're people that maybe inside the music world people might know, like, um, Arturo Sandoval got to play with him a little bit. Most of that was through the Air Force. Um, Susan Ashton got to play with her. Some jazz musicians that some folks may not know. Um, see any other big names? I think the the Miracles with somebody other than Smokey Robinson singing. Let's see who else. A few a few acts like that. Yeah, that I've I've played for in the in the context of the Air Force band. Mm -hmm. Uh, but not not a lot of big big names. No, I've you know I've just never. The thing the thing about being with a big name act is you would be on tour. When they go mm -hmm. in the studio, they tend to hire you know studio musicians, and and then they have a usually a different band for the road. So you can be in somebody's road band for years and be their guitar player, but it's on the road. Problem with the road is of course the road and being out there. And if you've got a family, that's yeah. difficult. So I I didn't really pursue being in um the road band for a for an artist and i could have and i had friends that did that and they could have put the good word in for me and gotten you know helped me get into some of those bands that traveled with different people but the the time when i was in nashville and could have done that i wanted to try to stay in town and get session work and then i ended up playing at opryland usa which is a which was a theme park. It's not there anymore. The, the theme park isn't, but there were a lot of shows, a lot of stages with shows and I played in those shows. So I'm like, well, if I'm doing this, that's kind of helping me hopefully get session work. So I didn't want to take any road band gigs. Then when I got married, I definitely didn't want to do a road band gig. When I was in the air force, I couldn't. So it, there just never was a time in my life where I, I could have um, really jumped into going on the road mm -hmm. um, or would have chosen to, you know, that, it just never was a thing. But if I if I had wanted to do that, I, I probably could have. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't, you know. Okay. So uh, one of the things I do want to uh, have, get all everybody's input to talk about this, uh, when it goes into the careers and a job field, or being a musician is probably one of the hardest things to do because sometimes it just depends on how good is your stuff. How are you, um, like, are you continuing to put stuff out there? Are you getting a lot of gigs and everything? So what would be some things, Stephen, that you could 
help us get started on as of what are, what are some things to get started on? Like, I know people want to make that into a career and to a job, but what, what are some things that they, that you think from your experience, is that something that they should be doing that's like right now, at least as a, as a personal, sorry to jump no, in. No, you're but good. Go ahead. As, as a, as someone who wants to go in to being a musician one day, my main questions would be, like, how would you, how do you get your name out there? How do you get people to know who you are? And like you said, book gigs and everything. Or how would you, after you record something, uh, let's say you put it on Spotify or Apple Music, how would you get their uh, the listen count to go up? Or how would you just get your name out there and publicity mm. would be the main yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean... Well, the first of all, the, the the first question you have to ask yourself is what what kind of musician do you want to be? Do you want to mm -hmm. be um, an artist, you know, who's known mainly for they sing, even if they like John Mayer that plays guitar and sings, he's still really known more for his singing. You know, that's that's his star quality is his singing and he, and he plays guitar. Great. So do you want to be an artist? And then what what genre, what kind of artist? But then you have other musicians maybe who who are who want to be session musicians or play for other people. That's more like the kind of thing I would have wanted to do is play for other people. That's a, that's a different set of things that you have to focus on and hone if you want to do that. But then there's people that want to be going to say classical music and be, be part of orchestras, or yeah. maybe there's people that want to be uh, someone who teaches, or maybe someone who does a lot of musical theater types of things. There's a lot of people that make their living playing musical theater, and they're not all just in New York and on Broadway either. So you kind of have to know what facets of the music business you want to get into. But as far as that self-promotion thing, which is what just about all of it is these days, you know, you don't just go to the record company and they say, okay, you're a lump of clay. We're going to mold you into a star and you just follow our direction and you'll be a big hit. It doesn't quite work that way so much anymore. They really are looking for people who already have something of a following because you can, you can throw yourself out there and develop a following. And then once you get a following, then maybe a record label says they already have an audience to begin with that's devoted to them. We know that they, you know, that they have an appeal because they've already tapped into it. So, you know, then the record company might get involved. Of course, if you're doing that already, maybe you'd rather not be involved with a, a record company. It's, it's all so more so much more complicated and different now than it used to be. But as far as how to go about getting yourself noticed, I don't know. I tried that for a little while. The problem is the stuff that I was doing, there's not a big market for it. It was like instrumental music. Instrumental music is hard to find an audience for. And you spend a lot of time trying to promote that. You kind of have to have something to make you stand out, something that makes you amazing, that different from just all the others. Some people are really good at marketing themselves and their product is it's good, but it's, it doesn't, it's not the kind of thing you go, wait, wow, what is that? But it's just good. You know, just another good singer, artist, songwriter, whatever, but they're so good at promoting themselves and all the other things that help you get noticed that they've actually done very well, despite the fact that what they have to offer is not particularly unusual. However, there's some people that what they have to offer, what they do, seems like most people really who get somewhere in that sort of self-marketing world, have something about them that makes them really unique. And it probably is something, not that they looked for, that they tried to 
craft, but something that was already there to begin with, something about them that was already unique. And if you find what that is for you, what is, you know, what is my superpower? And then you work kind of diligently on honing that superpower, then what you throw out there gets more attention, gets more notice because it's amazing. You know, like Jacob Collier, he just was, I mean, if you look at how he did it, he just put the stuff out on the internet. He was probably 15 or 16 and he put this um, you've seen them before that people did it a lot during lockdown where they would have multiple versions of themselves on different parts of the screen performing all yeah. together at the same time. So he used some software like that, did a vocal arrangement of a Stevie Wonder tune. Uh, yes. I forget which one it was, but I want to say, isn't she lovely? I think that's what it was. It might be. Yeah, I, th I think I think that's what it was. And when you hear it, you're like, wow. It was so amazing. Um, and he had never done, he had never put anything out there. He'd been obviously honing his craft for a long time in that little cave of his that he does everything from <laughs> to this day. He's still out of that same music room in his mom's house in the UK because he's in his 20s now, but still, he's still fairly young. And he put it out there and it just didn't take long before Quincy Jones and Herbie Hancock saw it. Yeah. And you know, one of the two saw it first and then told the other, you got to see this. And then, you know, Stevie Wonder heard it, a whole bunch of other people heard it. And it was so amazing that there's no way that once it got into the ears of people that really knew what great, brilliant talent is, there was no way it wasn't going to spread. And he's just such a likable kid too. You know, that that's another one of his superpowers. But his, the best was that he was just so good and the product that he had there was off the charts. When you got somebody like Herbie Hancock and Quincy Jones going, this kid is doing things that that's beyond me. You know, <laughs> I don't think anybody like Herbie Hancock's ever going to say that about me, yeah. but they said it about this 15 year old kid. You're going to go places. Right. I will have to say um, for those listening, um, if you have never heard of Jacob Collier, I really do think that you should go and check him out because he's mm -hmm. incredible. Uh, in one of his albums, In My Room, which again, this is where he's done a lot of his stuff. He did mm -hmm. a rendition of The Flintstones, which is a, mm -hmm. a old cartoon. I remember watching it when I was a child in the 90s. And um, he redid the intro song and it sounds incredible. He did stuff from The Police, who else? The Beatles in one of his mm -hmm. recent albums, Jesse Volume 2. Ooh, mm. so yeah volume two i remember and so this guy is just incredible and so if you've never yeah. had the chance to check him out i would suggest you do so yeah and he Jacob sounds call you if you like hear this one day just just mm -hmm. remember your boy mr joe mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> and brooklyn and mr steven <laughs> yeah I think he kind of sounds a little bit like take six his, his arrangements are a little bit along those lines yeah i think yeah. some of his coolest works have to be his audience choirs where he will give a certain section of his audience a note mm -hmm. and they'll make a chord together. And then he'll like, he, he simple hand motions like that. And then That's cool. he'll just raise up his hand and then they'll go up a note. He'll make a different chord. Yeah. And then he'll keep doing that until he has pretty much this whole musical arrangement just by changing a note or two with the audience who mm -hmm. no prior uh experience experience some of them probably can't carry a tune and he just 
he just tells him what to do and somehow it just works out they know he knows exactly what's going to happen too he's not like oh are they going to go too high or too low um i've heard the explanation on why that works and it's crazy you should look it up if yeah, also I'll if you're curious out. about jacob collier that's another one to look up his audience choirs yes mm-hmm. we're gonna uh move on do we have a, a different question for mr steven i have several but i don't know if we can get through all of them <laughs> yeah i'm kind of long-winded as you can tell sorry about oh, that it's all good i mean we are too my dad was a preacher i blame him <laughs> Okay, so Mr. Steven, um, knowing that you have a plethora of musical experience, would you care to share with us some of your talent on the guitar? Sure, sure. Let's see. I just happen to have one right here. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. <laughs> if you didn't have a guitar, I feel like I would have been a little disappointed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, let's see. How about... I go through phases, musical phases, and the phase I'm in right now is all about old swing and, um, you know, just that kind of sound. But I like to do more upbeat, uh, not more upbeat, more current tunes in the old swing style. But I like to do old, you know, old songs as well. Um, So I I sometimes pair them together, like I'll do somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I dreamed of once in a lullaby. Someday I'll wish upon a star, wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles mud like lemon drops, way above the chimney tops. Oh, that's where you will find. Thank you. 
There we go. That'll work. And that, kids, is, is if you practice and spend all your time learning the music, this is what you can do. I think that I think that deserves a clap. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was incredible. My goodness. You have me like smiling from ear to ear over here. <laughs> you see what I did there? You know, goodbye, yellow brick road after um the um um somewhere over the rainbow. You know, yeah. The Wizard of Oz theme. Yeah, I got that Wizard of Oz theme going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, if you guys don't have any more questions, I believe we're good on our end. Mr. Steven, thank you so much for being one of our guests on our U Force Chronicle podcast. Uh this was a blast. And hopefully soon, you one, you'll get to meet the kids in person one day and that we get to do this again soon. Cool. Wonderful. I'd, I'd be glad to do it again. Oh, perfect. Well, anyway, folks, this is the Youth Force Chronicles podcast. My name is Mr. Joe, and along with our guests, Brooklyn and Doc, and we'll see you again soon. Are you ready? Are you ready?